Henson Hasty. I'm the Senior Director of Theological Education Funds Development for the Presbyterian Church uh, USA Foundation with the Committee on Theological Education. And I'm here with my, now I guess I can say longtime friend, <laughs> uh, Stephen Lewis. We met down in a basement in Decatur near Emory when uh, he was the Vice President uh, of, of of the Forum for Theological Exploration, or I guess right then you just become the president. Uh, no, we met before that. We met before he became the president. Um, and he is uh, like me from originally from the Charlotte, North Carolina area, although we didn't know each other back in that time. I saw right. in your writing, um, Briarwood Elementary, a graduate which my mother, she was, she visited schools and uh, she knows Briarwood. I'm not sure where you went to high school. West Charlotte. West Charlotte, mm -hmm. West Charlotte High School. And um, he is also a graduate of Duke Divinity with an MDiv. Um, he went to UNCC. He thought he was a banker. <laughs> I think you still are, have that mentality where you're investing into the future. There's something about banking and, and how he thinks uh, and acts. Um, he has, though, um, really served in his ministry most in, with the Forum for Theological Exploration. I can't believe it. 17 years. You're not old enough to be working in any place 17 years. And the last um, eight of those, almost nine of those, as its president. I'm a real visionary um, person and leader, strategic leader, as you will soon see. Um, uh, he is a deep thinker and reader and speaker and um, uh, just uh, has many gifts to offer the church and the world. I'm just glad for you to take some time um, here this summer to join me. And it's good to be back, back in the room with you. I served on the board for FTE with Stephen and that was a real gift, and it's it's always good to be in the same space as you. Frank, your modest said, we're not virtual, we're just remote. So this is real, people. <laughs> so thanks for being here, Stephen. It's great to be with you, Lee, and with your uh, audience. Thank you. Yeah, the pres all the Presbyterians don't necessarily know, although I start describing FTE and I say, do you know Katie Cannon? Do you know John Kirkendall? Do you mm -hmm. know... Um, I, I should say some more recent names, but FTE has a long and, 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 and important kind of backbone behind the scenes role in leadership in the PCUSA and the church and academy and your investment in, in that in future leaders is something we all, I know I do and many give thanks for. Um, so um, as you know, as we get started and you're one of the people who really introduced me uh, to Howard Thurman um, maybe like one of your mentors, Alton Pollard, you, you consider yourself a Thurmanite, I'm not sure, but uh, I know you write some about Thurman, and, and Thurman taught Kate Cannon, was a mentor for her too, and, you know, really calls us toward uh, coming alive, because what the world needs is people who are coming alive, um, and doing the work, as Katie said, that our souls must have, so what is it Stephen, that um, is at the center of your call? Yeah, well, I think in many ways it is 
helping others to discover their own sense of meaning and purpose and their contribution to creating a more hopeful future. So if you were to ask me, I would say, you know, who's at the center is within the, the dedication to our book, which is the new generation of people, dreamers and freedom fighters, artists and warrior healers who refuse to accept things as they are. Um, as all that there is in pursuit of another way. The what, I think, is I really find myself kind of retrieving and, and trying to share kind of ancestral gifts, uh, the healing wisdom of their sacred technology for discovering meaning and purpose to create a more hopeful future for others. And the why um, that's at the center is that, you know, a new heaven and earth, uh, the relationship between the material and the immaterial, our relationship with each other, God and the environment require us to choose another way of life that enables us to live fully uh, into our sacred worth, identity, and potential. Um, that's what's at the center of my sense of call. So um, there's, I haven't heard you describe it that way, but it's beautiful and it fits some things uh, you've written about, which I'll go ahead and, and just mention folks, if you don't know about the book that Stephen collaborated on another way, uh, recently uh, released uh, by Chalice Press, um, Living and Leading on Change and Purpose. I encourage you to get it. Matthew Wesley Williams, the president of ITC, Internominational Theological Center and Dory Baker collaborated with him on it. Um, but what you said connects to the stories that are there and um, that this is not just about you, right? <laughs> right. This right. is about, and it's not just about those gathered now and those who are even living. It's not just about the church, but I hear that your call is also connected, has roots for decades and centuries um, going back and, and that you're, you're, you're you, you feel a responsibility, uh, responsibility is probably not the right word. Um, what's the word <laughs> to, to honor that past? Yes. I mean, yeah. we sit under, we sit under trees that we did not plant. We drink from wells that we did not, um, you know, create dig. and <laughs> dig. And, and in many ways, um, the future is rooted uh, in the past labors of those who come before us, um, within the African American community, you know, it is the understanding that, you know, I stand on the shoulders of others who come before me. Right. So, um, it's not about my individual or individualized sense of self and purpose, but it's tied to a larger community, um, who have come before me and that, you know, I am the answers to, ancestors prayers and dreams and, and that kind of thing and so uh, we're not a historical people but we're people that are connected to a long rich history heritage and tradition um that's beautiful um and you are an answer to those gifts Stephen. it's uh, that is that is so true i know in my own journey um and gifts and i that was recognized as you write about by at friendship uh Missionary Baptist Church by many, but especially Mother Mary Pearson. So it takes people, not you don't just realize this yourself, right? It takes people noticing. And in in the book, um, you say that that she said, what was it? Um, she uh, she was an astute observer of the spirits movement and she 
she kind of laid her hands on you and um, said, God has God's hand on you. God's working on you. Uh, keep your hand in God's. There, there, was, there was something in what she saw in you uh, mm. that she literally, literally reached out and touched you, it sounds like. That was a moment that must have been um, some of these realizations started to come together, I imagine. Yeah, I mean, I mean, even just hearing you say, you know, I, I get, you know, goosebumps and emotional because um, she was able to see, I think, beyond the, the material of what was before us. Here's a woman, I don't even know if she had a finish, you know, high school. Um, you know, she lived to be late in her 80s, but she had a, she had this type of, you know, fierce, fervent, um, devotion to to the sacred to the eternal to the spiritual life and she could see um see in ways and see through you and in you and in things that you couldn't even imagine that were already being orchestrated in another dimension and plane and so yeah uh i'm reminded of her of you know even when you know when times get dark or you know, times, you know, it doesn't seem like uh, I feel like, you know, I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing or seem to be out of alignment. I remember that it was her and a whole community, a great cloud of witness who saw uh, in me what, you know, is still in the process of um, unfolding. Right. Right. God is not, God's not done. Well, I know, I mean, that was as a, you were younger at that time in elementary school or somewhere along those lines. And you went on to be a banker and you, uh, I had, I'd remember you told me this story and I hope, I don't know if Penn Peary is watching today, but, uh, he's a pastor at first Presbyterian, but you helped lead or were part of a Bible study in downtown Charlotte at first Presbyterian, I guess, during the week, um, 20 yeah. or so other folks. And mm -hmm. this is when you started to, see you know even more clearly about purpose it seems and and i imagine i mean this is right on topic courageous leadership matters i think is that fierceness that was um mother mary pearson and probably others in your life um you know you got some of that fierceness started to come out in you i mean and you took some bold steps and stepped away from probably a very promising career um, in, in business and banking and in, into seminary and into ministry and into nonprofit leadership. And um, so I, I really appreciate the fierceness that is, that is you. Um, is, it, is that one of the things that's really part of this kind of courage and courageousness that you believe the church and the world needs now, why it matters, is that is because you've seen that in others, that fierceness? What is it that it's kind of the kernel the you know that that grows i mean um besides maybe yeah. the obvious reasons i mean we definitely need <laughs> courageous leadership right now but but how does that get nurtured yes so i i would say this is in general what i would say is that leadership is not the practice of an individual it's the practice of a community mm -hmm. to really address the challenge in in the in the midst of uncertainty towards shaping a more hopeful future for that community its neighbors and those who seek uh, refuge 
you know, it's, it's the difference between management, which is, you know, it's about supervising and kind of being custodians of what is versus leadership is really about organizing and mobilizing a community towards a vision. Now, what I would say courageous leadership then is the ways in which um, communities kind of respond to the way it's called in the world, how it lives out its purpose, exercises many gifts, how it's medicine, how it's a balm in Louisville and Atlanta for those who are seeking healing. But to bring about, um, you know, things that are matter. So when you ask about what the kernel is, I think particularly for courageous leadership is this idea that something is at stake beyond your own, um, something that is a stake that is greater, let me say it that way, that is greater than and beyond your own self-interest. Mm -hmm. This is not about leadership for your own platform, your own pad in your pockets, your own kind of livelihood, but it's the kind of leadership that gets at this larger kind of vision, moral, ethical, benevolent, just vision of a new heaven and new earth, a new relationship between um, who we are and how we relate to the eternal. It's about this idea of what John the Revelator talks about, the healing of all nations. It's about how, um, you know, in Jesus' birth, where it talks about how this individual in this community is for the fallen and the rising of many, not just in Israel, but in the U.S., in Louisville, in Atlanta, in our own communities, for the sign that it is opposed, um, that a sword, you know, that a sword will be pierced through our own souls too. That that type of catalyzing kind of effect that 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 life hangs in the balance, mm -hmm. or I should say, you know, that flesh and blood hangs in the balance of between life and death, that, that you're working on behalf of somebody else and you're trying to bring this thing into fruition mm -hmm. that hopefully will improve the quality of life, um, of human flourishing and communities of well-being. I think that's what's at stake with courageous leadership. And um, in that sense, um, it's something that we all can, can, can pay a, uh, play a role in, but more importantly, how we play a role in a larger community that is exercising courageous leadership. Um, that's helpful. I mean, because a lot of times, and, and, and important, particularly those listening here, and I'm seeing friends like uh, Rob Wilson Black, for example, um, and um, uh, Mary McClure, uh, Alanda Carr, Glenn Bell uh, joining right. us. Um, it's not just about a leader. It's Correct. about it's about a leader. What I'm hearing you talk about is a leadership community, and that we're Correct. in this together. And there's some mute. There is some. It's not about it's. There's some mutuality. Like it's. Uh, I hear. The scripture stories, and, and you talk about in the book too, and I know um, it's been my experience, and folks, y'all just witnessed it, is the scripture story lives through the way um, uh, Stephen thinks and acts, is that we are really a body of Christ. I am, I am my sister and my brother's keeper. Um, you know, it's, it sounds, it almost feels like Ubuntu, like I am because we are, right? I mean, it's that kind of 
leadership where we're doing this together. It is movement kind of leadership. And it feels like that is exactly the kind of leadership that matters right now. It's not about, it's, this is not a, this is not a leadership structure like this. This is a leadership structure that's, I don't even want to do it this way. I want to do the round <laughs> this way. I mean, it feels more circular. It feels more connected. Is that, that's the kind of leadership you're talking about. And that circle grows. Um, but, right? Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, at the end of the day, if, 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 if your courage in what you're doing in the enactment of your own leadership is about a vision, that is about me, myself, and mine, or what I'm trying to be engaged in, then, you know, you are, you are wasting your gifts on a vision that is way too small. <laughs> that, that the things that, that really are at stake, the things that really matter, require your community and my community exercising a kind of leadership practice that enables some aspect of that vision to come into fuller um, fruition. Right. And so, you know, in, in many ways, this is bigger than just, you know, my organization or my area of work that I'm doing. And I think, you know, congregations and, 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 uh, and pastors also have to recognize that this is not just about, you know, what we do on Sunday, right. but this is the, this is about, you know, the ways in which we, uh, go about life and do life together. And so in, in, in that way, when I think about this idea of um, courageous leadership, you know, it's something that calls us beyond ourselves. This idea of I am because we are, and we are because of I am. <laughs> that is, you know what I'm saying? And, and, and the thing is, is that the yeah. eternal is because we are, and we are because of the eternal. Like there's this interlocking mutuality partnership co-conspiring between us and spirit and God to bring about and to right wrongs, turn the world upside down and to bring about uh, a new kind of relationship between heaven and earth <laughs> that can be embodied within our own respective communities. That's why Matthew says it, you know, great in the sense, my, my co-author that it's not enough just to be engaged in justice. Right. Because justice is also work that we have to do, but it's work that we have to do in existing structures and systems that were never designed for certain groups of people in the first place. So right. then, therefore, you have to figure out how do we then kind of uh, redistribute our resources and create alternatives mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that are an enactment and a, a representation of the beloved community of a new heaven and an earth. You have to have people that are working there and you have to have people that are working in existing systems to bring them in, to bring them along to be more just. Right. But if, at, in the end, you can't just be focused on, creating systems for things that they were never designed for in the first place. we got to do that work and continue to do that. But ultimately, I think we have to pursue another way and create alternatives alongside the status quo. Amen. I, I love this. I don't want to forget this. Um, people talk about, I mean, theologically in, about partnership, you know, I'm thinking about Letty Russell and, and others who, who work closely with Katie Cannon and, and uh, particularly that generation of women theologians is, you know, talked about kind of co being 
partners as being co-creators. I mean, but you said, I love the co-conspirers <laughs> that we're conspiring toward a kind of alternative reality, not just trying to prop up and, and build back or maintain the structures as they now stand, but reimagine them in the way that God would imagine them is what I hear you talking about. And that was true, by the way, friends, with FTE, which used to be known as the Fund for Theological Education, now the Forum for Theological Exploration, a place for people to gather and discern and, and imagine uh, God's, uh, God's imagined future together and to be that what, what I think was real wisdom, and it's a, a learning organization, I think, in so many ways is, and I think you've shifted even your strategic plan along these lines now and in terms of learning, but um, it's the way you gather uh, that really matters uh, to folks. And that's something the church really and the world really needs now. Um, but uh, yeah, the, the co-conspiring, I think, is, is so critical. I mean, just behind me, the, the little teenage, not, they're not even teenage boys, made their own sign, um, Black Lives Matter. And it's their way of being part of that conspiracy, <laughs> you know, um, here in my neighborhood. And um, as the demonstrators have walked by, close by, and, and the demands for justice, particularly here in Louisville for Breonna Taylor, um, I'm thinking this really is critical words to hear right now. And it can feel, particularly in the, the isolating times that we're alone, no, we're together if we're doing it right. <laughs> we're working right. together. And um, how can we do that now, Stephen? Is, is, is this, uh, um, are, are we getting ready for something that can be happening is this a time to kind of as you talk about leave as your grandfather's a farmer you know mm -hmm. leaving the uh covid time is is where things are fallow we're going to plant something new later we need to get ready for that planting what what do we need to be doing now do you think um as church leaders especially that's who's pr primarily on this in this audience yeah so i would say that you know that um the god is been calling us uh, from, you know, ancestral past even to now, uh, constantly, you know, pricking our consciousness to not only get ready, but to join, but to join what the eternal is already doing in our mm. communities. And so um, oftentimes it's very difficult to do that when you're on the hamster wheel, um, mm -hmm. doing all the things that are vying for your attention. Leaders are exhausted. Communities <laughs> are exhausted. And a large part of it is that oftentimes our organizations and our communities have not been designed for our own flourishing. Mm -hmm. And so part of the question then becomes, how do you disrupt? How do you stop um, the business as usual and take a break? COVID in some regards, um, in the midst of all of its uh, tragedy and failure of leadership and, um, and loss. Mm. It also is a moment where the globe has stopped its kind of feverish pitch of being on the hamster wheel to be able to pause. Mm. COVID in many ways creates a space for us to explore maybe an alternative way in ways in which we need to be exercising mm -hmm. courageous leadership. Um, it's an opportunity for us to be asking 
the deeper questions about life and our relationship and how we work and how we come together and why we gather and what it is that we're trying to do as people of faith. Mm-hmm. But it's also an invitation for us to, to, to do the kind of um, communal and kind of self-reflection on what is God calling us to do in this moment? How is the spirit inviting us to co-conspire with her in order to create a new reality, a new kind of maybe normalcy on the other side of COVID and recognizing that for some people, the normalcy that we were accustomed to didn't work for everybody. Right. Exactly. And then what is it? And then what is it that we're now being called to do to be these type of revolutionary kind of designer and insurrectionist to the status quo to -hmm. pursue something different. Courageous leadership, I think, invites us to take risk Mm -hmm. and to scale that over time. Mm -hmm. And, you know, um, it's about, I think that risk is, I think in many ways, um, comes as a result of facing the opposition of power Mm-hmm. Um, the, uh, the powers that be, the system, the status quo that we all participate in. For some of us, many that are oppressive, from, many that are oppressive, yeah, right? Oppressive, <laughs> and that and that many of us who already benefit from the ways in which the social structures are currently set up. Amen. Our livelihood depends on these kinds of uh, status quo in the power structure. So. There, there's this idea of facing opposition, but the other piece of this in terms of bravery, taking risks is a brave act to do. Bravery also is about overcoming. Mm-hmm. There's, there, there are voices that we need to hear that we have not heard. So there's a kind of overcoming of their own trauma and fear mm-hmm. to actually exercise their agency. There's this overcoming of systems of privilege where what do we do with denominational systems that privilege um, male voices and male ways of being? Right. Um, what do we do with systems that privilege kind of what we would perceive kind of heteronormative ways of living out life? When we recognize that there are alternative ways in which people find themselves and understand themselves in that regard. So there's this, there's this idea that uh, a bravery that requires of courage that requires us to to take risks to be brave like a lion, but there's also a type of bravery that is about overcoming our trauma, our fears, and also systems of privilege that and oftentimes that are set up for people like yourself and I mm-hmm. when we need to be overturning those things to make more space for our women colleagues and, and others who oftentimes are marginalized, invisible, right. and, and not have the opportunity. Give, that giving, giving that, giving that, raising their voices, amplifying, um, definitely. Um, and um, it's, you didn't say it, but let me just say also the white privilege, uh, and that, that certainly I, I can say that has been part of my, and continues to be part of my story. Um, that, that can, that, being able to be vulnerable enough. There's some vulnerability and you're vulnerable in the book, by the way, and you're being vulnerable today to be able to just speak honestly and forthrightly. Um, and, and you're right. And it's, it, there is a generational also kind of shift. And I heard you say that earlier is to amplify and f- Frank and some others have said this. So let's, let's find ways for younger folks to help lead us um, forward. And, and show us the way. And I'm just grateful for the ways that, that you do that. 
Um, and I think it's, it is, it is how we're going to be able to, to move forward um, and to take those kinds of risk um, that really matter. It made me think of Tracy West and others who've written about a womanist theologian and, and, and ethicist, uh, disruptive Christian ethics. Uh, in a couple of weeks, I'm going to have um, Marcia Riggs from Columbia That's Seminary, right. womanist theologian with us. Maybe we can talk more about that. I mean, that, to, that, that actually disruption, <laughs> mm-hmm. which we sometimes think is a negative, may be actually a cure. Or, or, or help us move toward a solution and um, right. take those risks. And I, I want to say too, earlier you were talking about the hamster wheel and maybe the ways we brought, so I think a lot of leaders in this COVID time have shifted just to a different wheel, you know, <laughs> they, they, they're even less familiar with and it's more tiring, it's bigger, it's bumpier. Right. Um, and and um, I guess, I, it's, I can't believe we're already at our time, but maybe you'd offer a charge and a blessing uh, for those leaders who are trying to figure out how to navigate. Well, um, yeah, and so before, before I do that, I just want to say this one last thing, um, which I think is at the heart of courageous leadership. You know, courage comes from the same root word um, for heart. Mm. And so, you know, part of this is about, you know, like how do we exercise our heart um, mm-hmm. for, for the people, for the larger community, our care for the larger community, that, that requires a kind of empathy. And empathy mm-hmm. always lands on this idea of, of emotional intelligence. Do we have the kind of emotional intelligence to lead in this moment now that takes in consideration of where people are, their fears, their hopes, their dreams, deferred, et cetera, et cetera? But also do we have the kind of heart to be able to see empathically what we must do now, even when our people are not even ready. We say right. we love theological education. We say we love congregations and our communities or whatever. And so how do we exercise the type of heart that leaders must um, operate in this moment in order to carry that work forward? So it's, it's, it's a difficult time in which we find ourselves, but. Um, if there wasn't a time now, uh, we know that courageous leadership really does matter. And we Amen. see that in, in all levels of our country's leadership, within government and higher ed, and even in religious life. Um, we Amen. need leaders who, who will, who will um, pursue the alternative. Well, um, you are that kind of leader, and you always encourage, it's encouraging to me to know I'm not alone, and I have folks like you I can pick up the phone and call and are even if folks you can't pick up the phone or don't know how to, to Stephen, I know that we're part of a larger church with leaders uh, like him are working alongside us. We're not alone. Um, would you be willing to offer up a, a charge and blessing to those who are gathered today? And uh, Stephen? <clears throat> sure. So friends, may the eternal continue to call us mm-hmm. to courage. May our communities be sites of courageous leadership in a world that longs for their healing wisdom. May we have the heart to risk our self-interest and the pursuit of what calls us to life of meaning and purpose. Now unto him who risked it all, even life itself, and called us to follow him in his courageous footsteps. May he, Jesus himself, 
bless us, call us, and sustain us in leadership that matters because a new heaven and a new earth is on its way. Healing of all nations is clamoring for our voices, communities of well-being, human flourishing, and life more abundantly. Demands nothing less of us now than our offering of courageous leadership. To God be the glory. May it be so. May it be so. Amen and Ashe. Amen and Ashe. And may it be so. Thank you.